A group of Wellington bar owners say they face unreasonable delays for liquor licences and are being unfairly blamed for social problems on Courtney Place. The group met with Wellington's Mayor Tori Fano last week to express their concerns. They say getting a liquor licence issued or renewed can take many months and blame this on the Wellington City Council, police and health authorities. Jose Ubiaga is spokesman for the group. He owns three venues and says he's faced month-long delays and expensive hearings after opposition by police and Te Whataura, as well as a slow response from Wellington City Council inspectors. Mr Ubiaga says he and fellow bar owners want to contribute to a safe and vibrant Courtney place, but the precinct is anything but right now. Meanwhile, businesses and retailers are worried about the future for the central business district with foot traffic down and public sector cuts looming. In a moment, we'll hear from Wellington's Mayor Tori Fano, but first, Jose Ubiaga is with me. Good morning. Thanks Good morning. for being in. Thank you. So what's the situation? Um, it's been something I've been facing for the last three years. Um, the first, I, I had a hearing for the residence bar three years ago, and ironically, I didn't have any opposition from any of the agencies, and I still had to go for a hearing to defend the right to have a licence for that one. Um, I took over the establishment bar um, in 2021 and was going to, there's earthquake strengthening being done with that venue and then we wanted to spend over a million dollars doing a whole new venue. Um, I met with police and health and the council to talk to them through my plans and that it was going to be a completely different venue, rebranded, um, upmarket and just wanted to get them on site. Um, they were against it, and I had to go to a hearing to apply for my licence for that, and that took uh, about seven months to get. Um, it also cost me $30,000 with lawyers' fees to fight the agencies. Did you get it in the end? I did get it. Um, unfortunately, though... I got an 8am to 4am Sunday to Thursday, but I have to close at 2am on a Friday and Saturday for the first year. And what does that mean for cash flow peak times? <clears throat> well, f- obviously Friday and Saturday uh, is the busiest night, um, e- you know, and then so having to close at 2am compared, and there's over 27 other venues that are open till 3 or 4 in the morning. Right, so you've got a different set of circumstances from others with existing licences. How many establishments do you have, or how many... Um, uh, bars do you have on Courtney Place? So I've currently got three. Got Dakota as well, haven't you? So, yeah, so I've got Rubik's Bar, Dakota and the yeah. residents, and we're in the process of getting Rub- uh, Sugarwoods up and running. What's happening with others at so, the same time? So Rubik's Bar I took over last year. We opened in November. I put an application in for that licence in November when we took it over. Um, it used to be the Malt House. Um, and so because there was a bar there previously, we were able to currently trade under their licence. I had a, um, I got opposition from them, from the agencies in February, and they didn't want me to have a bar there either. Um, and so I had a hearing for Rubik's in August, and I just finished doing my final submissions from that hearing today, and it's probably going to be another couple of months, I think probably January, before I even know if I have a licence for that one. So these are going into venues that were previously other bars. Yep. Yep. These aren't additive. Are any of the new applications adding to the number of bars, or are they taking over previous bars? <coughs> the, the, only, the only one that's, that's an actual new licence was St Diablo, which was Greg, who had a hearing in June or July, and he won that hearing. 
Um, and this it used to be the Glengarry site, which is next to Lulu's, but it wasn't a bar previously. It was a liquor store. <laughs> it was a liquor store, yes. <laughs> but not a bar, okay. And so, Greg, because <clears throat> the thing is, before, before we can even apply for a license, we have to sign up to a lease. Normally, when you sign a lease, you're signing for three years. Now, you know, three years ago, I think pre-COVID, normally the license process would take about six weeks. And nine out of ten times, or, you know, 9.5 out of ten times, you would get that license. And it wouldn't be a problem. Now, like, say, for Rubik's Bar, for me, I have to sign the lease, put my application in, and then I've got to do a fit-out. I've got to open the bar while I'm waiting to find out whether, whether I have a license. a license. And I'm, now, yeah, and I'm not going to know probably until January... And they could come back and say, no, sorry, you don't have a licence. And if that comes back, I have to close. That former establishment, are you paying to earthquake strengthen that building? No, the landlord's paying for the earthquake strength. I see. I see. Yeah. But so, see, so, if- so tell me about the process, because you've got the sort of a triumvirate who have to agree, and, and they're logical. Police, yep. health authorities, and the council's respective division. Yep. And so what... If they all say no at the outset, what's the process you go through? What's the sort of uh, arbitrator, if you like? So, so basically, you only need one of the agencies to say no. And if they say no, or if you've got any objection, and it could be from the public as well, it doesn't really matter, then you have to go to the DLC for a hearing. And so then you go before the DLC, and then you need to present your case to the DLC as to why you should have a license. And you're supposed to address any of the concerns that either the agencies or someone from the public might have with you having a licence. And in some cases you've won that case in front of the licensing authority. I've won three out of three. Three out of three. Right. And I, Yeah. The police have told us that they, they declined to appear today, but they have told us that they take a number of factors into account, including the potential for alcohol harm to arise from a licensed premises, but that ultimately it is up to the district licensing committee to make a decision. What, what are you being told by these agencies about what you are saying or perceiving, you and others, as a shift in their stance? Are you communicating directly with them? Yeah, you know, we, we, we are. Because um, normally, like pre-COVID, I have had bars in Corny Place for 17 years and I never had one hearing. And normally, if there's any objections that are raised by the agencies, I would arrange to have a meeting with them. So, like, say if the police had concerns, I sit down with the agencies and we go, right, well, what are your concerns? And then I go, right, well, this is what we can do to try and fix those and alleviate those concerns. When I had put my application in for Sugarwoods, which is the establishment site, um, the first thing I, I, I did was I touched base with the police to sit down with them to say, look, this is what I'm looking at doing. I'm looking at taking over the site. I just wanted to see if there are any concerns with the site and if you were going to be any issues with me getting a licence. They didn't really say too much at that time. And so I was like, OK, no problem. And so I put my application in. Then they raised their concerns. I had a meeting with them to try and resolve those what concerns. What were the concerns? Well, their eyes, the establishment was the worst bar in Corny Place. It had the biggest it's a problems. corner site, right? A, a large bar on a corner site, and yeah, and, and yeah. But that doesn't make it a bad no, 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 a bad, a bad place. I'm just placing it in people's minds. Yes, yeah. but see, before I even before I even well, when I took that site over, I knew that I was taking over a problem site, and so I was the first person to introduce the ID scan software in Wellington. And the reason I brought that in was because I was taken over the establishment, hoping the police would see that as a positive step to helping 
fix any issues in the area. What were the other issues? Are we talking? We're talking underage. Are we talking uh, sexual harassment, attempted drink spiking, any of that kind of stuff, or is it what's happening outside the bars? Were there are there issues inside the bars? There had been in the establishment. There had been a number of issues with you know there were there were fights and intoxication and other issues as well. But then I ran it for the seven months prior to closing down as the establishment. And we never had one problem while we were there. <clears throat> Are the licensed restaurants having the same issues, or is this the bars? It's the late night venues. Okay. It's not the licensed licensed. And and what are others experiencing? How many of you at the moment are saying we're all going through the same thing? These long delays and computer says no. Well, there's there, there is another operator who's had just recently had has had three hearings this year, and they've spent over a hundred thousand dollars defending those venues. What's changing? Um, <clears throat> what, what is changing in your view? Because the other side of this is the concern so many people have about Courtney Place and nearby areas for multiple reasons, late at night, early hours, and actually even during the day. So what's changed in these years you've been running the bars? What, what do you see as the issues confronting Courtney Place and its kind of related areas? Well, Right now, Corning Place is probably in the worst state it's ever been in, and there are a number of factors that are contributing to to that. I would say the amount of closed buildings in and around Corning Place is a big factor. Earthquake uh, closed. Well, earthquake, yeah, earthquake strengthening. Or I mean, businesses closed, or both. S- some businesses have closed as well. Some bars have closed. Um, a lot are closed, you know, for earthquake strengthening. Reading Corning Place is a massive hole in the area as well. I mean, that's probably the biggest hole in Corning Place. You've had a number of big backpacker establishments that uh, have closed down. Um, and that changes the kind of demographic that would be in and around Courtney Place. There's been emergency housing put into Courtney Place. There's a lot more graffiti. There's more homelessness. Um, you've got the cost of living crisis as well. And so, you know, there's there's more gang activity as well. I think, you know... You believe are, your industry is copping blame for some of this or just seen as being like it or not an exacerbator of those problems well, well the police the police are going to say that the problems have gotten worse over the last three years and they and they're pretty much blaming the majority of it on the late night establishments even though in that same time there have been four or five establishments closed down so there were fewer now than there were before COVID. yeah there are and but there's more problems you know it's I would stand by the safest place for anyone to be drinking would be inside a licensed establishment, you know. And, and we're seeing more and more people come to Courtney Place who are already intoxicated okay. and they can't come into the bar. That's an issue. Are you And I imagine this has been a trend for some time, but are you seeing a lot more preloading? Absolutely. What time are people coming in typically, depending on which demo they are, I imagine? But when does it take off? Uh, I mean, after 11 o'clock is when you start to see the bigger increase of people starting to come into Courtney Place. And, you know, there, there, there is, you know, there's, there's, there's drinking on the, you know, and this is one of the things we've had issues with for a long time is drinking in the street. You know, we wish the police would come down harder on drinking in the street. I wish they would, I wish there was a fine for intoxication in the street, you know, but there's no responsibility for the person who's intoxicated in the street. The police... The police but go some to would say some of find those people will have come out of a bar. They might have come preloaded. They might have gone to several bars. The, the, the police will say, I think, that the bars are part, part of the picture, if not the, the, the immediate source, that they're part of it. What would you say? I mean, oh, look, we, well, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely part of it as well. But a big, 
We've got the most restrictions on on us with regards to monitoring, you know, and keeping intoxication out of our venues, you know, and there's also systems and training that we put in place for the staff to be able to give people water, give people food, to try and slow the consumption of alcohol as well. And so I think in general, the majority of the bar owners are doing a really good job with in, and inside their establishments. They've Do got good believe- security staff working the streets as well. Yeah. And they help keep the streets safer. Do you believe there's a sense that between those three authorities, they they want to reduce the number of licensed premises and just sort of sinking lit it or what? What what, what do you believe is happening? Absolutely, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I do think they would. They would like to try and cut Courtney Place right down. If they could kill Courtney Place altogether, I think they probably would. They're trying to reduce the hours to two a.m. If they could have a two a.m. closing across the board, they would do that as well. But they're doing it covertly, you know. They're not. They're, they're just going one. They're trying to pick us off one by one. Could the bars cope with the two AM closing if it were universal? Yeah, I mean, well, slate it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so. you look, you know, and I've, you know, and I've said this as well. It's like if they if they applied for an LAP, which is a local area alcohol policy, and that's where they can have these restrictions, right? If they want to only have a certain number of bars, then put it in there. We only have. X amount of bars, or no new bars are allowed to happen. And then it makes it easier, right? If we know, if I know, right, that there's no more bars to be open, I'm not going to go and get a license. I'll, I'll sign up for a lease and try and open a new bar. <clears throat> One more question. How many of those earthquake-prone buildings in Courtney Place are owned by landlords who are leasing to bars? Could you, do you know? Oh, I don't know what percentage. I, I'm asking but... because there's a separate issue here, which is the state of the buildings and the cost of upgrading them. Yeah. And your landlord in the previous building was, or your landlord that you have now actually, is paying to upgrade that. Mm-hmm. The question is, would he or she, if they didn't have a bar as a tenant? Too hard a question? I mean, no, who, well, who, who else would fill these buildings? Well, yeah, no, I, like, that's the thing, though. I, I don't know. It's easy to say just change the type, style of businesses that go into them, but then what happens to the poor landlord who might have to sit with an empty building for two, three years before someone finally goes, what, well, I might give it a crack and put a restaurant in there or do do something else in, in that okay. building? Thank you, Jose. Stay with us. Thanks for your time, please. Uh, also, uh, Mayor Tori Fano, who's been listening in, and I know you're busy, so thank you. I appreciate it. Do you want to pick up, first of all, and just respond to the points raised? Morena. Oh, Morena, thank you so much for having me. Um, look, I, I, I agree with a lot of what Jose has said. Um, I, I, as mayor, I want Courtney Place to be a really vibrant central hub of entertainment and hospitality. That in, that includes more bars uh, and more restaurants. Um, we have a lot of um, bar owners who are running their bars well and are wanting to invest in the side streets as well, like putting in little parklets and outdoor seating, which I think is wonderful and I think is needed. And I'll, and I'll continue supporting them to do that. Um, as um, Jose has alluded to, what there's there's a big thing that's missing in, in Courtney Central and it's the vib- the other vibrancy. We have reading, we have other buildings that are empty um, and so our bars can't operate in isolation. Um, I feel like they're having to pick up the slack for Courtney Place and that's not their fault. Um, we just need to invest a lot more in that area. So what 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 my role is, what I can do is work with the police and, and the um, health agency to go, look, here's the long-term plan for Courtney Place. We need it to be an entertainment precinct. That includes hospitality, but we need family-friendly venues down the road as well. You've seen in the media that there's something happening with reading. Um, Tarkin is bringing another order 
audience into the city. And we also need new hotels. Yes, that's that's a long-term thing, but perhaps um, if they're on board with that, then we can work collaboratively with our hospital industry a bit more. They are long-term. They will take years if they eventuate at all. These are businesses who are staring at zero cash flow and big outgoings for months and months and months. Why is it taking so long to even give them a decision? I, I mean, so the, the licensing process is an independent um, process um, between the three agencies, right? And look, I, I can't interfere with any application. I would if I could, but I can't. Um, I, I couldn't comment on why it's taking so long and why it seems to have changed from a few years ago um, because I'm not um, privy to a lot of that information. But I'm meeting with the police and Te Whatu Ora um, very soon to discuss our approach around alcohol licensing and advocate for a more clear, consistent approach would a of local, licensing that fits for our vision. Sorry, would a local alcohol plan make sense to give certainty to these businesses right now? Because you are at risk that some of them say, actually, I can't do it here and I'm not going to do it here. And you've got enough issues already with empty buildings yeah, yeah, and no, earthquake I've... strengthening. Landlords are not going to earthquake strengthen unless they've got a tenant. So would working with the industry to agree on some parameters that might play a part in the multiple issues in this area and coming out with a clear plan. How how quickly can that happen? They could probably um, work a lot quicker than, say, um, kind of longer-term legislative changes and developments. So I'm very, very happy to look at that. That's that's something that will be on the agenda with the police and te whata order. But it's also... um, ensuring that I, so I've met with about 30 hospitality owners just in the last couple of weeks and us coming up together with, with some of these ideas and how we can push through a lot quicker until the longer term solutions um, have been fixed. So you are looking at resolving the very issues they're raising, the pushback they're getting from three authorities, one of which is your own council's official arm, and um, the um, the pushback and the lack of a coordinated plan they can work to. Are you committed to meeting with them and progressing that as soon as you can? I, I'm committed to doing what is possible within my role, but um, I've already promised our hospitality providers that I, I'm their biggest advocate. I, I want what they want, uh, and I want to see how we can fix this. So here's another issue. What's the role of the off-licences in these areas? Uh, people can buy liquor from convenience stores, dairies, supermarkets, plenty of them up and down Courtney Place, by the way, um, or certainly getting up into Manor's Mall, with little or no restrictions. And this ends up with the drinking, potentially the drinking on the streets issue. So again, will this be part of a plan that perhaps refocuses on this area being about come to it and go into a venue rather than come to it and walk or sit on the street drinking? 100%. So I want to see a reduction in that uh, preloading culture that we have, and that may be limiting the number of um, uh, retail uh, for alcohol that we have in the area um, and encouraging people to come to the city a lot sooner. And again, the, the, the city vibrancy stuff and allowing bars to invest in their own um, um uh, properties and bars will help with that, um, but we, we need a shift in our culture, and that includes our drinking culture and the way that people um, um, attend our venues. I want to see them in, in our venues a lot sooner. So I can think of, interesting, the Glengarry closed, and now someone wants to put a, a bar in there, but I can think of at least a couple or more along that Courtney Place uh, Manor's Mall stretch and plenty more on Kent Terrace, etc., 
but particularly for that area where it's within a few hundred metres of Problem Central, should there be any off-licences operating? Um, look, I, I think, I mean, given we have our a couple of supermarkets, we do have a couple of, I do miss having Glengarry there, to be honest, and having kind of like nice high-quality uh, wine stores and, and whiskey providers, but I, I think there could, we could limit the number of providers that we have in the city. What of the other issues, the social issues that the bars feel like they're getting the blame for? And um, Jose rattled off a whole bunch of them earlier. I'll repeat them. Um, many of what were backpacker establishments, for example, and other establishments now have emergency housing in them, very close to this area. There's a homelessness issue that uh, I know a lot of good people work hard on, but we still see a lot of people on the streets, and particularly uh, during these times. He's talking about more gang activity. He's asking why there is not greater policing of what is an alcohol ban area. Where is a coordinated plan to try so and do, tackle? Yeah, we, we do have a program called Porniki Promise and we have some of our hospital providers on that as well where we work with the police and health agencies to um, assist with this problem. And in some spots of the area, we do find success. Again, I think when you have uh, such little foot traffic coming into the city or people not wanting to come to Courtney Place, it encourages other types of behaviour that are not ideal. Well, is it the other um, way around yeah. here, Fano? Because I've heard plenty of anecdotals that I just won't walk to this part of town. I won't go to the shop anymore because I'm tired of being aggressively hassled. Is it the other way around as well? The shop owners will tell you around Manor's Mall, that's exactly what they're experiencing. Yep, yep. Um, and Manor's Mall itself has been, um, a, a, you know, not the most a, a attractive area as well. Um, what I'll say on that, New Zealand as a whole is dealing with uh, quite a major um mental health crisis and alcohol crisis as well. So um, that is a very big issue that uh, Wellington City Council can't solve on its own and I'm hoping to see some assistance here from central government. Um, look, that is a tricky, tricky um, uh, problem and we know that we have agencies like DCM also assisting with this as well. Um, but again, that's a long-term problem. Um, and uh, police, uh, usually when we find increased policing around these areas, it escalates the situation even more. And we, and, and we, we so that's why we're having, we continue having a, a dialogue with the police to ensure that there's a, um, a better balance of that. You mentioned the Reading Cinema situation, a large building taking up just about half a block, um, actually a couple of blocks. That's sitting empty, and you alluded to it's become a little bit of a uh, controversy. Um, you're alluding mm. to the possibility of the council buying the land under that site to try and encourage the owner to do some earthquake strengthening. Where is that process at? So I can't comment on the, the details of the actual process, but we'll be able to make an announcement in mid-November. What I will say is that um, there is a, a commitment to a huge investment uh, from Reading in our city, um, and the impact of this decision will have a significantly positive impact on Courtney Place. So it sounds to me like that is progressing well. Um can we talk about the other issues with earthquake-prone buildings, both the commercial mm. buildings in this area and also residents, because also within walking distance of this area are a lot of people who are in financial dire straits and under a lot of mental health stress themselves. 
One of your mm. councillors this morning, Iona Panett, basically said, do not buy an apartment in Wellington if you're an individual who is not wealthy. And I presume she's leaning primarily towards those that are older and either earthquake prone or at risk of becoming earthquake prone. That is a very stark message to a city that wants to build up and intensify up. What's your response? Is, are, are things that dire for so many building owners in this area and and further in the, in the central city? I wouldn't say it quite as strongly as her. Um, I, we, we certainly have a lot of earthquake buildings and um, we've had many either owners um, or council needing to go through the, the, remedia- the remediation plans um, and have um, a deadline on when to do that. That is providing a real challenge, especially for local owners, and I have full sympathy for that. Um, yes, we want to build up with a with 100% um, NBS rating. So the new buildings and the new consents that we're going to be providing around um, around new apartment buildings won't have this problem. Um, so the I'm encouraging with, oh no, people problem. to buy apartments. It's all good, but just perhaps don't buy one that has under 33%. So what happens, to those who, what happens to those? I can name you one apartment not too far from Courtney Place. I know it well. That had an 83% NBS until four years ago and a stroke of a pen it went to under 15%. And the values of that property mm. shrunk by that uh, 75%. Now, that story is happening in many, many places. And what in good faith can you say to owners who bought in good faith that this is now their circumstance? There are people who are looking at their pensions, you know, looking at their, their, their life savings basically going, a deadline coming, engineers proposing solutions that simply are not financially viable for them. What, what the hell are they supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, and I, I completely understand where they're coming from. So me and Councillor Pannett are quite keen to work with central government to look at our overall legislation uh, when it comes to uh, needing to upgrade these buildings. Can we perhaps relax the rules a little bit, especially uh, we're in such a, a massive cost-of-living crisis and construction is at an all-time high Um we're keen to see how we can help our residents a bit more. How would you relax the rules? Because pushing back the deadline doesn't necessarily help. It just may, means the heart attack or the, the stroke, frankly, might be coming in five years rather than one year. I mean, some of these rule changes, the same thing happened with the many vacant office buildings in town, the infamous you know, red chapter, yellow chapter. Again, at the stroke mm. of a pen, that building went from being okay to not okay. Do we need mm. to sort out what is okay based on what? Yeah, yes, we do. So we're getting some officer advice there on what 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 would be acceptable, what would still be safe, um, but what what would be kind of um, agreeable to to those who have had to incur that such major major costs. Are you saying that the council will endeavour with an incoming government to see if it can either get some review of what is determining these earthquake standards or perhaps an extra delay on strengthening and or perhaps some kind of funding that might assist these people? What What are you saying you're so seeking? Ca- yeah, so the council itself... Um, um, isn't seeking that. This is uh, more um, Councillor Pennett and I um, doing doing a bit of homework to see what we can do. Whether that's delaying some uh, delaying some um, uh, deadlines, uh, getting really clear, or um, to see what constitutes a certain rating, uh, or and looking at our overall NBS rating over 
overall. Um, it's an early days, um, and we want to have some. Com- we want to have a conversation with the incoming government first on on their appetite for such uh, for such a change. Um, but it's it's something that has been raised yeah. this term. All right. Uh, the purchasing of some of these by institutional investors who might be able to restore them is another interesting concept. Um, people can go That's on right. journeys, as you well know, with the town hall, can go on a journey yes. as far as that as a project. Uh, look, we had the fire yes. in the Guzney St- Street's two-math building, uh, and you know how many of those are there now? How many empty buildings, earthquake-prone, are there in and around that kind of... Courtney Place in Inverins and Central City in Inverins. I'll put in Newtown as well. How many? Oh, I'd have to come back to you about that. Sorry, I've, I've been off sick for a couple of days. Cool. But um, we're talking. I lot. wouldn't imagine it. it yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's 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 an important uh, topic and one that we'll we'll certainly put on into our long term plan um, as a, as a priority as well because it's it's not a minor number. I would imagine. Okay. Let's uh, just finish perhaps with noting there's been a change of government and two major projects that are stresses on this city and others, but certainly on this city. Let's get Wellington moving and what to do Mm. about 45% of fresh water going into the ground before it reaches our our, our taps. Mm. Where, Mm. Where are you at with any kind of a sense of the future of those projects and what say will the council have? with any government. Yes. Okay, so when it comes to Let's Get Wellington Moving, I've obviously been a huge um, advocate for it. And we we have things like the Golden Mile that'll go through, but what's left on the radar are things like um, light rail, which will enable urban development, which will lead to 20,000 new properties. I know that um, the National Party have ruled it out. Uh, what I've asked is, look, can we can we still continue to try work together on this and focus on um, some of the outcomes? I know they're not a fan of the program overall, but there might be some um, a bit of a compromise here because I, I, I'd love to be able to um, sell them the benefits of light rail. Um, I was telling someone else, I've asked my office to look into this as well, is to set up one, once um, Christopher Luxon has been sworn in, um, let's commit to, uh, say, um, a trip to Australia where they've implemented this successfully and it's it's had benefits to their local economy and housing. Let's take a good look at it first before completely ruling it out. When it comes to water reform, I'm a big um, supporter of that, of course, but mainly because of our balance sheet. So um, long-term planning for every council, we've relied on that um, water reform funding to be off-balance, sh- off off-sheet, um, which means we could um, really focus on other projects for the, the future of our city. Now that's off the table, um, I have concerns, so I, I am waiting it for the right time to sit down with central government and through LGNZ uh, to come up with a solution. The status quo will not uh, will not work. We cannot afford it, and I would imagine a lot of councils can't either. Are you looking at setting up some kind of a relationship with the incoming government? You have a Green MP, and congratulations um, uh, on, a, on a, quite an achievement in carrying off Wellington Central, but we've now got a Green Mayor and a Green MP and a National Act government. Are you looking at how you can build relationships to parties that have very different perspectives to yours? Absolutely. Um, what 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 this election has told me that yes, uh, New Zealand has chosen a national led government, and I fully respect that. Um, Wellington went pretty left. Um, we now have two Green MPs, and we we have of course Greg O'Connor um, in Ohariu. Uh, and along with the Green Mayor, what, what I'll be proposing to um, 
the National Party is, look, our, our city has has voted and we obviously, that indicates to us that we agree with cycleways, city revitalisation, light rail, all that good stuff. Can we work together on this? I have a good relationship with Christopher Luxon um, and I've begun a relationship with Simeon Brown and also get on, on well with Chris Bishop and Nicola Willis. I, I'm quite confident that we might be able to find some wins for the both of us. We won't get everything we want, of course, um, but I, I, I have to try. Uh, thank you, and thank you for what I hear was a, a commitment you seem to indicate you've already started to work with these bar owners who are facing the need for decisions mm. in the short term, not in the 10, 15 year term. But thank you very much for your extended time this morning. That is the Wellington Mayor Tori Fano. Thanks very much also to our guest earlier, uh, Jose Ubiaga. Thanks for coming in, Jose.